In the 1500s, the Reformation began and drew the church back to the truth of Scripture. If that reforming was good and godly, what do we do with progressive Christianity today in an all-new podcast by C28? Well, CJ and I did briefly talk about this episode in the morning, and then we stopped ourselves because CJ said, hey. I almost ruined it. He said, I would like to start off by, and he was about to explain how he wants to start off. I said, wait, 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 just just do it. And we'll go with it. Whatever you want to start off with, let's just do it that way, and we'll go with it. And so I have no idea how it's going to start, but we are discussing the question about what is progressive Christianity. It was a listener question, so we thought we'd tackle it this week. So CJ, start us off. Okay, so you've had kind of a weird uh, thing going on with a mechanic, right? Trying to get your car fixed. I have. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> Just vaguely. Okay, so yeah, I uh, <laughs> I'm caught off guard. <laughs> That's you, hey, you asked for this. That's true. Okay, so I um I had an issue with my car. Yeah. I changed a part in it. And right. It did not fix it, and so I took it to the mechanic and dropped it off to him. He changed. Uh, the part that was that he said was was broken and it was broke mm-hmm. and then he uh, so he put the new part in he sent it back with me I drove around the check engine light came back on so I brought it back to him and he put in a new part and I drove it around again and the check engine light turned back on again so then I brought it back to him and now he's had it for a month and a half <laughs> yeah and uh, the reason is he's he's trying to keep it and drive it and fix things so that I don't get it back and have the check engine like come back on. But I'm kind of to the point now where uh, <laughs> <laughs> like my car. Back. That's a long time to leave your car at the mechanic. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, we have a little bit of a relationship, but I um, mean, he's doing a lot of you know warranty work for free now because he's trying to solve a problem um, with a part that he bought and installed. But still uh, you would, you would hope that, you know, drive the thing, right. Get it through, you know, get all the monitors ready right. and make it, do it faster. Make it Drive happen. It. Yeah. <laughs> a month and a half. What if that was my only car? <laughs> what would I do? It's then? definitely not, but all right. <laughs> so if you were going to, let's say a new mechanic shop opened up in town. Okay. Right. And you're going to take your car there and you pull up at this shop. What are some things that you would want to see when you pull up? What are some things that would make you feel better. Like, oh, okay, this is like a legit mechanic I'm picking shop. up like, what you're like, playing like, down. Like, they know what they're doing. I see what you're right? doing. Like, okay. What, what are some of the evidence that that is a mechanic shop and that they know what they're doing? Um, I would like a sign that says their shop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see people who appear to know what they're doing. I'd like for them to have books and books, and I want them to have, you know, like some computer program that helps them navigate and find out what DTSs are out there and... Uh, things like that. I want to. I want to see tools laying around. There you, you go. Know, where they're fixing things. I want to see Some breaker jack, bars jack out. Stand. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big hammer. That's. <laughs> yeah. I li- precision I, instruments. Yeah. If I lose my big hammer, I don't even work on cars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So another another one would be. Let's say, and I know you're really unfamiliar with this uh, with this arena, but uh, let's say a new Mexican restaurant shows up in town. Yeah. Right. And you go walking into the Mexican restaurant. Okay. What are some things that you'd want to see? Be like, this is authentic Mexican food. Like, this is going to be good. This is like taco truck quality inside. Interesting. I would like a menu with things that are Mexican food type things. Stuff you can't understand. That's what I look for. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> words, words, in there words I don't, don't understand. Yeah. yeah. 
it just it just sounds exciting so you order it yeah okay or, or some like salsa and chips come oh, out. oh yeah and they're flour chips mixed in bro right <laughs> don't threaten me you know with what a i'm good talking time. about you know what i'm talking <laughs> yeah. about yeah right so you, you see these things now now a new or let's say you move to a new city um and you're you're looking for a church okay right you go there on a sunday morning what are some things that you'd want to see what are some things that you'd want to hear taught to let you know like this is a christian church this is a question for me yeah so i'm visiting a new church right okay um you're like you're kind of observing i would like to see bibles bibles right okay that's a i think that's a big one um and there are songs. I don't really care about the style, like if it's slow, fast, traditional, contemporary, but the lyrics would have to be something substantial um, and probably more focused on the Lord than my feelings, I guess. Mm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just would want the majority to be focused on the characteristics of Christ and praising him. Um, I would want to see um, preaching mm-hmm. that is centered upon the Bible. Right. Just and at be- least 40 minute sermons, right? Okay. So what he's, okay. For those of you that he's taking a shot at me right now. So what happened was, is we had, uh, I don't think this person would listen to our podcast. So I think we're safe. But <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. I had an interesting experience this last Sunday. I, I finished a sermon. Our sermons are like between 40 and 50 minutes. Or probably 45 to 50 minutes. I, well, guess. I think my 14 minute sermon kind of <laughs> averages out around 30. <laughs> Anyways, that's a story for a different day. So I finished this uh, sermon and this, uh, this older gentleman comes up and hands me um, an article and he's like, Hey, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I was a pastor and there's certain things that I learned along the way. And so maybe this article will help you. And the, it's a piece of paper folded in half, well, a stapled packet folded in half. And uh, when I, I he kind of walks away and I open it up and it's like, basically, how long should you preach? Probably not as long as you think. <laughs> <laughs> and he like literally right before this podcast, he just called me and was like uh, talking about how he, he believes my sermon should be around 20 minutes yeah. in, instead of like. <laughs> 45 to 50 so yeah all right so uh, back to the new church okay back to the new church yeah so i think i answered pretty much like lyrics yeah. scripturally based yeah. um i mean i'd like to see um people there because i think part of what church must be sh- should have other people so if i was like the only one in there maybe yeah um, so whether we are um, getting our cars worked on or picking out a new favorite restaurant right there's certain criteria if you intro your sermons like you do this your sermons would be much longer <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like yours. You're bad. We're like six minutes and fifty. <laughs> yeah, jeez. And then just abruptly over. Oh know. my gosh. Oh, another joke. Abrupt endings to oh servants is another struggle. Oh, okay, mine, we're praying now. All right, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Anyways, oh. uh, in different areas of life, we want to see um, evidence that things are what they claim to be. Right. So the mechanic has the right tools. The Mexican restaurant has flour, chips, and salsa that brought out to you. <laughs> Right, the church has sermons that are biblically centered, gospel centered, and people on mission. Mm-hmm. Right, and so what we're talking we're talking about this idea of progressive Christianity. Right, and so what I was hoping is that maybe we could get into a little bit of how do we dissect this term, progressive and Christianity. Okay, right, sure. Does that help? Let's do it. All right, go ahead. <laughs> that was your intro. My, was... I set you up, okay. right? I, like you could not okay. have been set up better. I guess you're right. welcome. All right, this is why we don't team preach. <laughs> See how abrupt he is. <laughs> All right, so I guess the progressive part. Um, yeah. Essentially, I I think that so 
as you listen to progressive Christians or the leaders in the progressive Christian area um, talk about what progressive means, it's it's the it's that things aren't not changeable, and they've actually kind of take seen that as problematic that evangelical Christians aren't willing to change anything, mm-hmm. or that there is a corner on truth, or that there is something that is set in stone. Um, they've kind of uh, positioned themselves against that idea. So then progressive Christianity, the progressive part is that, do we really know what we think we know? And it's and there's also a heavy uh, focus on questions, which to their advantage, um, that there may be a weakness in evangelical Christianity where we don't facilitate good, honest, hard questions well. So there mm-hmm. might be a point there. But the idea is, is that they don't like that there's any hard and fast truths right um to therefore um except that there aren't hard and fast truths exactly and so the progressive part is like ever changing like we are moving forward we are um learning more the bible was good until its point and now we need to keep on progressing as christians right and then um they still want to be considered a christian in the sense that um, they are saved. Now, I think that, and maybe this is jumping way down towards the end, that they believe that they would, if you had a conversation, it would boil down to, I believe that they think that I am saved because I am loving the right way. And so I just opened a can of worms, I guess. Right. But anyway, so right, I think right. the, so, that's so the progressive. That's the progressive part. And the Christian is they still want, they still want to be considered somebody who's a follower of Jesus. What they think the follower of Jesus looks like acts, behaves, and believes is different though. Right. Okay. So, so with the, with the analogies of the intro, right, that were masterfully, (laughs) masterfully put together, uh, we would see evidence for the restaurant evidence for the mechanics shop. Do we see evidence in progressive Christianity that it is indeed progressive and Christian? Both those things. To go with your illustration, I would say that. Feel free to borrow it anytime also. (laughs) All the time I borrow your (laughs) illustrations. It would be like going into the Mexican restaurant and um, them serving whatever they like mm-hmm. and it changing kind of week to week based on what they think the community around them wants. <laughs> oh, oh, on the fly. Like, like hot dog Tuesdays instead of taco Tuesdays. I guess. I'd be like, that's not Mexican food. <laughs> let's not miss what I just did though okay, sorry. <laughs> with hot dog Tuesdays. Okay. <laughs> I'll try yeah. not to overshadow you with hot dog Tuesdays. Yeah. But I think there's there's something to that, right? That yeah. uh what we see in progressive Christianity, I think, is uh can we can we um I don't know if assimilate's the right word, can we um remedy this what the Bible says is being a Christian and what really seems right and helpful and supportive in our culture like Mm -hmm. how do we remedy those two together and and progressive christianity would interpret much of scripture including how to love right because there are some uh, like what is the greatest commandment love god and the second is like it love people so maybe those two aren't separate maybe those two aren't so easily separated and also they are both loving god and loving people and so then um without you know good study right because definitions matter and under yeah exactly and understanding um biblical symmetry Mm -hmm. then i think that you could be like well let's like we just gotta love people and the church doesn't feel loving sometimes then you ask why and this is what it comes down to yeah 
when you call sin sin yep. and it's hurtful, that can't be sin because how can it be loving to call somebody out for that? Right. And many of the people um, that are kind of like the prominent speakers on the subject come down to that, that people aren't, we're not treating people with love if we don't love them essentially the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Like how dare you change somebody? Right. Or the way they desire to be loved. Yeah. And, um, and then how you defend that, you know, from an evangelical point of view or a progressive Christian point of view, the progressive Christian point of view goes back to like this concept of love. And then how do you get rid of the rest? You basically say like, how do we really know those things or what was trying to be communicated? Like the Bible's so old, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So anyways, go on. Yeah. Okay, so we've said that progress, like looking at this term, right? Progressive, it is progressive, meaning that it's going forward, right? Whatever this thing is that we're calling progressive Christianity, that part of the statement or the title, right, is true. It's progressing. Um, the second half, Christianity, I think that's going to be where it's more complicated, right? So, I let me ask you this: Do you think that this is an in-house discussion amongst Christians? Like, do you think Protestant evangelical Christians are the same as progressive Christians? No. Okay. Maybe we could get into like some of those differences, like at the core, right? So like in our last podcast, we talked about the authority of scripture. Yeah. Maybe we could start there. Sure. It's fresh on people's minds. Okay. So I, um, well, and it's, so for me, what is, what is difficult in this conversation is that I would, I would say that not all progressive Christians necessarily have the same stance on this, although it's not a new phenomenon, right? It is also something that hasn't been clearly articulated, right? Well, um, it can't be. So, so by by by, by the fo- by the front of progressive Christianity, right? That I, I think that uh, when you ask them, do you believe the Bible is true? They say, insofar as it is, right? And that's so ambiguous, right? Where we would say, yes, in all that it is, exactly, yeah. Well, and I think something that you touched on is really interesting that like it's really hard to define exactly what it is when the whole idea behind the movement is is individualistic interpretation through the filter of feelings for each person, right? Yeah, and I think it's interesting that I think many of us, um, if we were asked, do you build your theology off your feelings? Uh, whether we do or don't, we know the right answer. Right. We're like, no, because truth is truth. <clears throat> and so if we trust the Bible, we change who we are. We, we look through scripture as a lens by which we look at the whole world because we believe that it is true. And so in that case, um, we don't form our theology off of feelings where a progressive Christian really doesn't have any problem saying that. Right. Because they're like, because they go back to love as that feeling. Right. And so love is at the pinnacle. That feeling is at the pinnacle. And if it doesn't feel right in your feelings, and it can't be what scripture. So then what do we do with the rest of scripture? Well, we got to change it. We must have missed something. If the highest command is to love and it's purely emotional acceptance, then we got to change the rest of the Bible where we obviously take a different stance to that. I think the definition, defining what love is scripturally, I think is probably the first thing uh, that would need to be done. But yeah, you, you whipped out well, a book. You're well, ready to go on, with on. something. I will. But uh I would say if you're listening, if this is like the first episode you're listening to of this podcast, I would go back one episode 
and, and, sure. li- and listen to yeah. the episode we just did on what is the Bible. Start there and then listen to this one. And and a lot of what we're saying will make more sense why we would say we don't inter- interpret things through feelings, at least first, right? Yeah, um, and not saying that feelings don't matter. We're not saying it, that at exactly, all. Exactly, exactly. Um, we're just saying how we come to what is true. Right. Um, the primary primary force is not feelings. And also the good point about going to um, the episode before is that there'll be a stark contrast made here that'll help frame this. And our hope is that, you know, our listeners do go through these, these and kind of follow along with us because they do build and we're trying to keep these as short as possible. Um, and so part of doing that is we, we, we arrange the topics in such a way that they do build a bit. Right. And also I wouldn't want somebody to start here and be like, Oh, it's a podcast about bashing other religions because this is probably the first one I think that we've actually taken on to critique. Yeah. To, to critique. I think part of it is because it's, it's so slippery and nuanced and disguised that um, it is a danger um, because I think that we could argue that this is being taught and infiltrating evangelical churches. I think the evangelical church might not even see it coming. Exactly. And uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, especially maybe because of biblical illiteracy, biblical right? illiteracy for sure. Right. You can't spot the fake if you don't have a good grasp of the original, Boom. right? Every kid in youth group ever has heard this, yep. has heard this illustration of the hundred dollar yeah. bill. How do they train people to spot them? Yeah. They don't focus on the fake. They focus on the original, mm-hmm. right? So know your Bibles. And when, a, when something that is not authentic, not of Christ, not of scripture comes along, you'll be able to identify that. And here's, here's going to be the biggest red flag. I think you're going to see when the Bible clearly can communicate something as good or as sinful yep. and there's issue taken with it. Right. Like that's going to be your first sign. So if you're sitting in a church and you hear something that the Bible clearly communicates as sin and the church is communicating that it's not, that's going to be a red flag. If you're sitting in a church and they're communicating something is bad that the Bible says is good, that's going to be a red flag. And that's, and that will be the first thing I, I'm making a stand right now. Do it. That is going to be the first thing that you notice yeah. is good and evil being switched. Right. Yep. Um, and also what I wanted to point out is that it's being this, this movement or, or, or ideology, whatever you want to call it, um, is being called progressive Christianity right now. Um, you could trace it back a few years, maybe a decade or two back to a mo- movement called the emergent church, right? With Brian McLaren and Rob Bell, Rob Bell and, and guys like that. Um, but this isn't modern, right? So it might, it might be um, a modern manifestation of an old problem, but it really is an old problem. Um, and, and there's great books that have tackled this even like throughout history. Uh, in, um, in the early 20th century, we had uh, J. Gresham Machen, who was, he wrote a book, I've got it here in my hand, uh, Christianity and Liberalism, which is not the political idea of liberalism, right? He's talking about uh, theologically liberal, what we would call progressive Christianity today. Right. And, and one, and CJ and I want to make the differentiation because this gets confused sometimes right. because they're, they're terms we use. Uh, conservative and liberal, when, when we use this in this podcast, will probably never mean politically. Right. It's going to be uh, religiously or... Theologically. Theologically. Yeah. And so it's going to be in that realm, not anything to do with um, politics. And I think that's going to be important because there is so... Like it gets tied together so often in yeah. inappropriate ways. Right. We don't want to have any confusion around that. We're talking about theology and doctrine here. That's the point of this podcast. So uh, every now and again, we may, I guess, talk about a political issue or something like that. But for the majority of it, we're going to be talking about theologically conservative and theologically liberal. Go ahead, CJ. Yeah. So Machen, 
um, you know, like a hundred years ago, basically, is tackling very similar issues, if not the same issues. And he gets down to the exact same thing that you were talking about, Brian, a few minutes ago. Um, the, the idea of authority, like what is our authority? And again, go back and listen to the last podcast. Our authority is scripture. Progressive Christianity's authority is not scripture. It is feelings. And, and Machen, um, in his chapter in this book, concluding his talk about liberalism and the Bible, he says this um, concerning the liberals. The only authority then can be individual experience. Truth can only be that which helps the individual man. Such an authority is obviously no authority at all. For individual experience is endlessly diverse, and when one, when once truth is regarded only as that which works at any particular time, it ceases to be the truth. The result is an abysmal skepticism. And I think he nailed it. I, I think he's so got br- it. Break it down. Pretend. Okay. Pr- pr- pretend so, somebody can't uh, um, process as quickly as somebody like yourself. Okay. So he's saying that if everybody's truth is authoritative, nobody's truth is authoritative. Mm-hmm. And all that we're left with at the end of all of this is skepticism. And that's exactly what we see in modern progressive Christianity today. Yeah. Is there, there the biggest virtue in progressive Christianity today is not love. I'll, I'll, I'll say this is not love is not peace is not mercy is not gentleness mm-hmm. is not what kindness. Is it? it is skepticism. Yeah, it is a, is skepticism because that always leaves the door open to escape something you don't like. Right. So I would say, is there another, uh, here's a question for you. Is there another level below that then is the skepticism because of self-love or self-assurance? Yeah. Or I would say to- idolatrous self-love. Sure. Right. We have made ourselves not not me like I, I mean, at times, maybe I'm saying that progressive Christians have made themselves um, the gods of their universe. They determine morality. They determine truth. Yeah. They determine what what law is. Right. And then each one of them individually is trying to do that. And I have seen where this has actually they've actually eaten their own because of this, because as soon as someone takes a stand that isn't in line with the rest of progressive Christianity, then that person is no longer part of the movement, which really makes them no different than any other religious group, right? They have a set of truths and that set of truths are that there are no truths. And as soon as you assert that there is a truth, then then you're outside of the belief system. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to bring up intellectually incoherent. Yeah. Well, and we did spend a little bit of time talking about that earlier today too. We did um, kind of a different subject, but it does yeah. come back around. Yeah. So I'm going to bring up uh, a man by the name of Colby Martin. Okay. Oh he yeah. Is, he is, uh, he's basically like the beautiful face of progressive Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he's been, he's been kind of making his rounds lately on some uh, podcasts and talk shows and right. He wrote some books and stuff like that. Yeah. And even if you read his books, even if you listen to his podcast, what you'll see is that there is he experienced what he what he states that what he experienced is a tremendous about amount of pain and hurt through his church experiences and he's not um he's not an idiot like he he uh he is absolutely educated he he went to um how was it a seminary did he go to a bible college liberal arts christian university or something remember. like that but formally uh, educated formally educated worked at a church in ministry um as a worship pastor and um sounded like he worked with youth or young people for a while and one thing that he said he said if calling out sin is hurtful 
then that can't be real Christianity. Mm. And I'm not sure as we look at Scripture and the times when Jesus called out sin or his prophets called out sin, that that is at all true. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I see at the very foundation, what caused him to begin thinking outside of what he already believed, so he said that he was conservative in his beliefs and his theology, and what got him thinking is that there was so much pain for him that he said that this can't be Christianity. And I think there's things to be learned from that statement, but also I think that that is that truth he just claimed is not true. I think that when, if, if you violate the God of the universe's laws and commands, we deserve to be put to death. Yeah. Right. And so if that is true, then it's not going to be nice when we begin being selfish or, you know, we just preach through Amos, you go through Amos and you look at the sins of the people um, of Israel and what Amos is, what Amos's message is preaching against. Um, yeah, that's going to be hurtful because basically it was sex, power and wealth yep. that was being called out. And very personally, even the people were called out that weren't doing the oppressing. Essentially, they were reaping the benefits of that oppressing and those people are called out. And then what's told to them will happen is just horrific. And you know what? That doesn't feel nice. Right. Because, but here's the reality. I think that when God is tiny, you can say what Colby Martin says. When God is the king of the universe, you can't. Right. And um, when I would argue that that logic is inconsistently applied to his life. Sure. So if the logic of if it hurts, it's not good. Um, is applied in other places, it doesn't hold up the same way. What do you mean? So let's say you break your arm, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a gnarly break. In this your is arm, like Illustration in, Tuesday. In your arm bone, right? And according, <laughs> arm bone. According, whatever. I don't, I don't know anatomy. So according to Colby's logic, um, because setting the bone would be painful, it would be bad. When in the long run, it would create greater healing and proper healing. Yeah. Right? So the setting of a broken bone hurts in the moment, but it's better for you in the long run for flourishing, for use of the arm, right? Yeah. If you have, um, if you have, you know, something nasty going on, like in your mouth, like an impacted tooth or something wow. like that surgery might really hurt, right? To get that tooth out or whatever you have to do for an impacted well, I feel tooth. nauseous just listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to do to, this to you, but yeah. my point is it's better for you, right? To deal with that pain in the moment for the greater good. Yeah. And I think that progressive Christianity is so short-sighted that it can't understand how a little bit of pain could actually be good, could actually be a gift in the long run. Yeah. Well, and and where I thought you were going to go is maybe parenting. Go for it. No. Well, I, I mean, okay. Because I wasn't. <laughs> Fine, I will. <laughs> Jeez, you don't have to yell at me. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think that the principle falls short then in parenting. Like, uh, are there going to be things that you say to your kids like, hey, those jokes aren't funny mm-hmm. or, um, you know, you, you need to, you need to work harder at this, right? Right. You, you know, creating work ethic, you know, sometimes you have to say like, you're not working hard enough. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be nice. Or, or, you know, your son comes out dressed a certain way. So this morning, I actually, in a Facebook group, I, <laughs> I brought up, uh, my son got dressed. He's wearing, <laughs> he was wearing a silk, like, 
what do you call that vest you wear in it with a tuxedo? Like where it's not like a vest like made as a shirt. It's like a decorative garment. I don't know it's what a it's vest. Called. Okay. It's so just I'm just saying I want to, I don't want people thinking that like it's like a piece of clothing meant to be worn like a vest, right? It's why, meant to be. Why do you always wear it that way then? <laughs> Was that a joke? <laughs> You're saying uh, anyways. So he comes out wearing this silk vest that's supposed to be worn with a tuxedo and then gym shorts, you know, yeah. and th these are uh, maybe not the best illustrations, but to some degree you have to hurt him and say, <laughs> Hey, like you can't wear that. They're not yeah. meant to go together. Right. And he's like, but I really like it. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you wear it, you know, for the morning at the house. But before we leave, um, you have to, <laughs> this is like my wife's spiritual gift is pointing <laughs> this out in me. <laughs> I can't imagine how you, you know, would get dressed in the morning. <laughs> so anyways, I, I think that the, it would fall short. He, he, you know, the same person that said, if it's, if it's hurtful, it can't be Christianity. If it's hurtful, it can't be true. If it's hurtful, we shouldn't be saying it. That that falls short in so many so many ways. Right. And I think that, you know, one thing I can sympathize with Colby and others like him are the people that have experienced pain in um, in church. Yeah. And I and I think that one of the examples I disagree with with Colby is that he said one of his examples of pain is that he began to affirm sinful lifestyles and wasn't convinced that there's you know this romans road salvation that there's like this one way through jesus type salvation mm -hmm. and he's like and i lost my job over that yeah and i'm like and rightfully so right you know you can't begin to change core doctrines or and theologies where you work it, to the point where like how you get saved is different and what god says is sinful you say is not. And what God says is good, you say is not, and then still work there. You yeah. Know, like Colby put himself on the throne. Yeah. And I, and so I don't, I, I, I don't think that that's the church causing hurt. However, um, I have experienced the church and by the church, I mean the people, right? Yeah. Um, not necessarily like a church leader, but the church, the people there, and maybe even parents and with their kids not be able to answer certain questions, which that part's fine, but then not facilitating an environment where it's, Hey, you should be asking questions because right. there are good answers. Yeah. And, um, one of the, and I, uh, Lisa, no, uh, child, um, what's her name? Lisa Childers. I Lisa got her. Childers. Yeah. She said something and I'm going to, um, I'm going to paraphrase because I will not be able to quote it verbatim, but, uh, somebody asked her, why do you, why do you guys have such a problem with questions? And she said, why do you guys have such a problem with answers? Yeah. And I think that that is part of it because even Colby in these interviews will say that like, like how can you give answers as if you actually know? And that gets down to the root of this, right? Right. Because, and that's what Machen was saying a hundred years ago. Right. We don't yeah. think that we have the supernatural uh, knowledge that has come to us by some, you know, ethereal vapor that went in our nostrils. Right. We believe that scripture is that foundation and that it is authoritative and it is preserved to the point of what we would call inerrancy. Yeah. And so it is trustworthy and it is the source from which we draw all, all truth. And right. so when you have a group calling themselves Christians, but don't find the Bible uh, ultimate authority, there's going to be issues. Yep. And when you begin to stray and stray and stray pretty soon, you're not part of the Christian way. You're yep. not part of the one way through Jesus and because you have 
left what the Bible teaches. And we believe what the Bible teaches is God's word, right? We have 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. We go to often for this, not because Awana taught us to memorize it, but Awana used it as a verse because it's so important. And that's all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that every, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And there's a couple words here. We're not going to go into the Greek and stuff. We, uh, we, we did hit the little speaker button and learn the new words, but you know, <laughs> the scripture and God breathe, those are two very important words that in short, for the sake of this podcast, if you are trying to say, this is the infallible words of God given to his people, because God chose to communicate to this group of people, this covenant people through words it is going to be through the bible if you're trying to communicate that there's no other way to say it then there's no better way to say it than right there yeah yep let me get one more major quote in sure he said and it goes along with this he said christian experience is rightly used when it confirms the documentary evidence but it can never possibly provide a substitute for the documentary evidence so what he's saying is that our experience always has to submit to scripture right right and and I think that's what a lot of this boils down to. Our experience cannot be authoritative over scripture. Right. So example, when you go to the DMV and you're, and you're registering a used car, when they, and this is one of my pet peeves, but so this is a good one for me. Yeah. I've had to deal with this. Uh, so when you buy a car, when, who, because I never buy new cars. So whoever does buy new cars, <laughs> when they do that, they pay taxes on that. All right. So the taxes have been paid on that purchase. And then what we do is you, somebody buys a used car and I usually don't buy this, you know, there's no, I'm not, I'm no second owner to a vehicle either. So <laughs> somebody else buys that and then they pay tax on that price again. Yeah. And then maybe third or fourth purchase is me and I buy that. And then I have to go and I have to pay taxes again. Yeah. And it's just tax after tax after tax on the same product. Yeah. And uh, it's like double dipping. Right. And I thought this was America. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Control yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> So then you go to the DMV, right? And on that form, it says, how much did you pay for this vehicle? And say you spent 5,000 on it. Mm-hmm. Well, do you write 1,200 on it instead of 5,000? Or do you write 2,500? Or do you write, you know, what do you write on there? Um, and are you avoiding uh, those taxes? So how do you deal with that, right? How does Brian at the DMV deal with, if I'm concerned with the way God wants me to be, then... What does the Bible say about that type of behavior? Can I write down $1,000 when I spent 5000 And I've come to the conclusion personally that no, I cannot. And it's not because I wanted to, right? It was the opposite. I didn't want to. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's right. Yeah. But still, what does the Bible say? Right. right? And so I go back to that. And for me, I've determined that I must not lie to the government mm-hmm. on the tax of a used vehicle. And so I write down the correct amount. Yeah. And so what is what is instructed the way that I live? Scripture, even though I think that it is wrong for that taxation to be there. Right. Yeah. So one thing I think we're building the case for is that um, while progressive Christianity is indeed progressive in a sense, it's always changing, right? It's not static. <clears throat> Can you please I'm stop sorry. doing that? I'm this sorry. is real life. I'm sorry. We don't edit afterwards. I, I know. We said we would do three, but we, I don't think we've ever done one. Anyways, we're building this case that progressive Christianity is progressive. Um, I think we're building the case that it's not Christianity, right? Right. It doesn't. It does not hold up right. to the test. Is this Christianity? It's like walking into the mechanic shop 
And instead of a bunch of wrenches, they have like house plants all over the place or something, right? Yeah. And then into the Mexican food place, you walk in and they're serving hot dog on Tuesday instead of yeah. tacos. Like the evidence is not there. I'd walk right for out. This I'm to not be eating a hot dog there. I'd probably hang out. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you put down okay. a couple of hot dogs. There we go. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think that a good question for everyone to ask of themselves. If you look at your life, look at your beliefs, look at the way you live, look at your actions, look at the doctrine that you hold to, right? Not just on paper, but how does that practically play out? Look at all of these things. Is there evidence that you're a Christian, right? Is there evidence that you are actually holding to the historic beliefs of Christianity? And while, and, and you, I think you brought this up maybe towards the beginning, but while Christianity um, is not progressing, right? I think that it should be reforming all the time. I think that we should always be trying to go back to the Bible. Right. We're working backwards. We're trying to stay close. We're not trying to go somewhere right. else. C.S. Lewis. Here we go. He has this quote. It's one of my favorites. I go back to it all the time. He says this about progress. Progress means getting nearer to the place you want to be. Amen. And if you have taken a wrong turn, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn yeah, yeah. and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. Yes. So like and that, <laughs> that blew my mind when I read that. I was like, he, he got it. Yeah. And so the opening statement we had in this in the 1500s, the reformation began and drew the church back to the truth of scripture. The difference is that while well, that reformation, while well, that, I mean, in a sense, progression brought back, right. right? Because what happened, and CJ, you can jump in here. I know you love this this part of uh, church history. Uh, so the Roman Catholic Church, or the Catholic Church, began to do things that weren't, you know, start out, weren't quite biblical. And they got kind of further off and further off to where they're selling forgiveness and they're uh, using a certain... and, and uh, an amount of money to glamorize the insides of um, parishes or churches. And um, and the use of money was kind of going a different way. The Like how you were forgiven and that you had to go to this uh, leader in a church to be forgiven and uh, and then selling that. And, and then how do you, how are you forgiven? Well, you must do these certain things. Like, and pretty soon there mm-hmm. were a couple individuals, which I'm sure CJ will talk about here in a second, <laughs> briefly talk about in a second that said, wait a second, that's not what the Bible is teaching though. Yeah. And then several of these people that were like, wait a second, this isn't right. Ended up being like burned alive. Right. right. So, yeah. Um, well, in, in, part of this goes back to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You get so excited. Go ahead though. I was going to affirm something that you said earlier was that a lot of this comes down to biblical literacy, right? So even in that moment, one of the biggest problems was that the, the Catholic church was refusing to put the Bible in the language of the people, right? They're withholding it in the Latin language and the common person couldn't read that. Right. So that all of the normal people in life were completely at the mercy of whatever the church was telling them. Yep. And unfortunately, that was being horribly abused. And so one of the things that was so important was that the language started getting, or the Bible started getting translated into the common tongue of the people. Yeah. Right? Like, I think Luther... Thanks, King James. Luther <laughs> might have done, like, the whole Bible in German, I think. At least for sure the New Testament. He might have gotten the whole Bible done. 
But anyways, yeah. and that's and his translation is still the standard German translation. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, until this moment right now, is this as far as, as I know? Old? As far as I know, it's still the standard because he he worked so hard on it. But that's not really the point. The point is, a lot of what we're talking about comes down to biblical literacy. You will not be able to spot abuses of scripture, manipulation of scripture, if you don't know scripture. Right. So so check this out. Let's get practical. Somebody's listening to this right now, and they're like, "Wow, yeah." I would never want to be caught in in um, a tradition or a religion where they veered from scripture. Our challenge to you then, C28 podcast challenges you then, read your Bible, know what you believe. And that includes asking difficult questions. When I was a youth pastor, um, I would always challenge kids that if you have questions, you have to ask them. Yeah. Because what's happened is if you're like, well, everybody else has so much faith and, and maybe somebody teaches faith wrongly and they think, well, faith is not asking questions. Right. And they, and they don't ask these questions. They, they have these things that they can't uh, remedy and they don't go to their parents. They don't go to their pastors. They don't go to other Christian brothers and sisters. They don't study their own Bible. Um, they don't listen to people. They don't read books, right? They're not, they're not getting the answers to those questions. Then they leave and somebody challenges them and they have nowhere to go. Yeah. And so what we see is these high schoolers going off to college. They don't know what they believe. They don't know why they believe it. They just remember what their youth pastor said. And their youth pastor mm-hmm. probably has a higher role in their life than God does anyways. And then they go off to college. They get asked these questions. They get told things. They don't know what's up and down. And their faith was really in their pastor, not Jesus anyways. Yeah. It's a horrible cycle. Ask the questions, know what you believe, know what the Bible says, and know why you trust that Bible, which if you would like to know a little bit more about that, we uh, just touched the top of the iceberg on that this last Sunday at Cornerstone Church. So if you want to go to our website, pick up that sermon, um, it will be the date of what, the 20... Sixth, I don't know whatever last Sunday was. Well, yeah, but what if somebody's listening to this year from now? I don't have an answer. Hold on, let me let me find it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got an iPad. Oh yeah, so it would have been the 26th. So uh, September 26th of 2021. Uh, Just a brief, you know, um, talk about just just to get your brain percolating on why um, some of the reasons we trust the scripture. Right, and agreeing with what you said, authentic Christianity, historic Christianity, biblical Christianity does not have to be afraid of hard questions. Yeah. Because it is reasonable. Yeah. It is intellectually coherent. Yeah. Right? Progressive Christianity is not. So there are holes all over the place with progressive Christianity. Yeah. And they should be afraid of questions. Mm-hmm. Right? They they should be afraid of the well, answers because yeah, the, the answers, answers yeah. the answers don't support them. Right? It, it it crumbles underneath them. The Bible, if we just stay with the Bible, we can't improve on it. Right? It's completely reasonable like it makes sense it's intellectually coherent let me give you one more thing that okay. uh, colby martin said just sent another reason i'm using colby martin <laughs> is he's kind of the face of it right now sure okay maybe next year he won't be right and it's ben rob bell and brian mclaren right and people like that right yeah. so right now keeps progressing uh colby martin was in an interview with sean mcdowell yeah and uh he said at the at the basis of evangelical Christianity is that there are at least a couple things that you must believe correctly. And mm-hmm. he said, I find that very problematic. So he is saying that the very fact that you must believe, he said even a couple things, uh, he said, is very problematic to me. Um, and then he goes on to talk about 
that God cares more about love than what you believe. So then the argument started with Sean McDowell and Colby that, uh, well, how do you know what to do if you don't know what you believe, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, you got to do, God cares more about what you're doing and how you're loving. Well, how do you know how to love without knowing what what God says love is, Mm -hmm. right? And so then they go, they go back and forth there. But the, the progressive, progressive Christianity absolutely agrees with uh, Colby in that um, there, there's an issue when you say there's a couple, there's at least a couple core doctrines or theologies that you must believe to be saved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you said, well, you have to believe that Jesus is the one that paid for your sins. Right. Then that must, that must be problematic then right. for a progressive Christian. And then you get into who, what, what Jesus, yeah. who is that Jesus? Yeah. Now you're doing theology oh, yeah. and doctrine again. Oh yeah, for sure. Because right. yeah. So, um, I think that the progressive Christian um, really thrives in this environment of, do we really know that? And I think that I said earlier in the podcast, I think, I'm not sure, but um, the progressive Christian says the Bible is good as far as, as, as far as it is that it's, that's, it's, it's an old book. And how, how can we really know a book written that long ago, translated this many times over this many years, really accurately captures what the Lord was saying. So instead of looking at what the what the Bible actually says, there's a couple things he says a lot about love. So let's just love. The problem is if you take, well, let's just love. I really don't have a huge problem with somebody even saying that if you define love the way that the Bible defines love, because if you... If you say, well, but I don't like that part, Brian. Jesus <laughs> talked a lot about love, so now I'm going to love the way that I define love. Yeah. Then there's no grounding in Scripture. Yeah. Because if my if my mom told me never to steal, among other things, I was like, you know, I'm going to go back to that never to steal thing. And you know, I think stealing would be, you know, taking things that don't belong to me, but only in the context of if I'm mad when I do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. What yeah. did your mom mean by stealing? And I think that we, that's applied to scripture. What does God mean by loving? And also, he's like, why would we, why would we take that one thing and not look at the entirety of scripture, harmonize it together, and see the characteristics of who God is, who man is, and how God devised the redemption plan to save mankind from our own sinful selves? Yep. Yeah, I, I was in a discussion with someone who identifies as a progressive Christian. Um, and they were they were saying that they don't believe that the Old Testament represents the God that is, right? Too much um, destruction, too much judgment, things like that. And so I said, well, where's the best place in the Bible for us to uh, see a picture of who God really is? And they said, oh, Jesus, for sure, like in the Gospels, right? Um, that he, he's loving, he's caring, he's healing, he's merciful. That's the best picture um, of, of God in the whole Bible. And, and Hebrew says that, you know, Jesus is the exact imprint of God, right. Mm-hmm. Or the exact representation. Mm-hmm. So that's fair enough. Um, when we go to the gospels, we see statement after statement after statement of Jesus affirming that you have to believe in me. You yeah. have to believe the right thing. And so I'm, I'm just going to read, um, John starting in uh, chapter three sixteen. Like a lot of people will probably know this, but what we don't do is we don't continue reading right? Past John 3, 16. So it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Everyone loves that verse, right? Mm -hmm. That's great. That's wonderful. Like sacrificial love. Awesome. Starting in 17. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Everyone loves that one too, right? He didn't come to condemn, he came to save, which is true. Then it says in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Yeah. So Jesus himself is saying, if you don't believe and believe rightly on the right Christ, mm-hmm. you stand condemned. Mm-hmm. So the right belief, we're getting down to doctrine, right? Yeah. Jesus saying doctrine matters. Right doctrine has eternal consequences. In verse 19, it says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Verse 21, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So right belief, right doctrine and right actions and works as defined by that doctrine are absolutely necessary for authentic Christianity. We would agree. It is not just beliefs though, right? James 2.19 says that even the demons believe, right? And the point is that it's more than just belief. And if you know what James is talking about, it's more than just beliefs that uh, God cares about. uh, Well, first off, we believe that you believe the right things. You place your faith in that. You place your faith in what the Bible teaches. You place your faith in Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Yep. So do you place your faith in that? And so the demons believe their faith is not in Christ, right? So not just b- beliefs matter. Right. Um, additionally, what James is talking about is the life of a believer. So one who has placed their faith in Jesus, it's not over at that point for that what you do matters. It matters also after that. It just doesn't save you. Christ saves you. And then there's a fruit of work after that. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jesus himself says that the ones doing the works apart from the right belief are doing wicked things. Yep. Yeah. Doing wicked things. You don't have to convince me, so, bro. Oh, Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> there's other people listening besides <laughs> you. Yeah. Dude, that's serious stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because I think that, um, and so I think there is a fault. I'm not going to bash the bride of Christ, right? But there is a fault where we as as men and women have messed things that we didn't do something right um, that causes other issues down the road. One of those things would be that um, we have missed um, how, how do you love somebody in the church who has a lot of questions and is a skeptic? Well, you just ignore them and eventually they leave and you hang out with your Christian brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Right. And we've fumbled that. Yeah. Somebody who is currently living in sin and curious about who Jesus is. Okay. So somebody who's uh, living with their boyfriend or girlfriend and, you know, having extra, well, ha- having sex outside of marriage and living together. Uh, how do you deal with them when they come to church and they're like, hey, I'm not saved. But I'm just curious about that. Well, yeah. it makes us uncomfortable. Let's just ignore them and hang out with our Christian friends. Yeah. And they feel completely unloved. Um, same thing, a homosexual couple comes to a church and maybe even claiming to be believers. What do you do with that? Well, let's just ignore them, com- com- make them feel completely uh, ignored and unloved and hated and ostracized and hang out with our Christian friends. That's not right. Right. And so... I think that we have caused a lot of these problems. I don't think um, scripture has. So how then does a Christian interact when inevitably there will 
be questions about what scripture actually says. We don't have time to get into it now, but there's right. certain words that um, people are saying, this word doesn't mean this in Hebrew. And so then it was made up and it, it means this and it doesn't mean that. And really I'm sitting there knowing that like, well, you're nearly completely wrong about everything you just said. So then how do I engage that? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think there is a level of how do you love somebody like that? And I'm talking about, by the way, the, the, not the wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm talking about the person who is seriously just curious or seriously has been taught that <clears throat> these things are okay when they're actually not, or these things are not okay when they actually are. And that they're, they really are just curious. They really are looking for truth. Um, and I think that we've, we've fumbled that a lot. And so there is a lot of hurt and, um, and maybe we have, uh, reinstigated progressive Christianity through some of our own, you know, human sinfulness, yeah. and, which is a catastrophe. Yeah. But then now it's like, we see this happening. How do we fix it? And how do we correct and be more in the image of Christ as, as the bride of Christ, you know, right. the church. Yeah. And I think we're seeing a lot of this play itself out to the end where people are, you know, this phenomenon of, of deconstruction that seems very popular at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's really, I, I think that's just where progressive Christianity ends. It yeah. ends in atheism or agnosticism at best. Right. Um, yeah, or, and, or, or a comfortable community at best. Yeah. A social club. Yeah. Whatever. Um, another thing that I would want to say is for like the church leaders listening and the congregations listening, like check on your youth pastors because I mean, I'm in some of these youth pastor groups and you are too, um, on, on Facebook and some of them have 18,000, 20,000 members, right? So supposedly 18 or 20,000 youth pastors. And these groups are for the most part, just a cesspool of progressive Christianity and sin and heresy uh, and it's horrible, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, yeah, it's just this giant group of people that are supposedly ministering to thousands and thousands of teenagers, right? Like all across the United States. And there, there's, from the numbers that I'm seeing, like there's eight, basically 18,000 youth pastors that are teaching this stuff to kids in congregations, right? And it's probably not that many because I yeah. think there's a silent large group within there um, that, that are pretty orthodox in their beliefs, but it's distressing. So and one of the applications of this would be if you are, you know, you started out asking about, you know, me, what would you be looking for when you go to a church? One of the things, if you're a parent listening and you're going to be sending your kid to a youth program, you have not, not only should you, you have a response. I believe, let me rephrase, let me rephrase. I believe personally, you have a responsibility to know what that youth pastor is teaching your kids. Yeah. And so if you say, hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you. Like if your church doesn't have an expense account for your youth pastor to go meet with those parents and to buy coffee, not on his own dime because he's probably not paid enough (laughs) to buy his own coffee, then get him an expense account or even you as a parent offer to pay for that and and talk to him and and ask him some at least basic fundamental questions about what he believes. Yeah. Or make sure your youth pastor is a Christian. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, Seriously. there's a bunch of goons on that page yeah. and and you can see it. Like what happened is they had a youth group and they maybe they had a good youth pastor at one time and he left and this person was graduating high school mm-hmm. and they're like, he comes a lot. He has good attendance. Like he's cheaper. He's cheaper. Let's make him the youth pastor. And then they throw this person into this position that has, 
zero business being there, right? Yeah. And then this person goes on Facebook and is looking for help and they find these groups of 18,000 people all saying the same thing basically. And they're like, well, this must be true. And then they start buying into it and then they start getting book recommendations and podcast mm-hmm. recommendations. And pretty soon, you may not have started off this way, but you have a progressive Christian youth pastor. And they've which, read more books, <laughs> uh, extra biblical books rather than the Bible, right? right? Because they want those quick answers, yeah. um, you know, that are that are written by really smart people that can write a great synopsis on something and they don't read the Bible, they read these books and they, and because it quotes verses out of context, but still they're quoting verses, they believe that it's true. So answer me this. Yeah. Imagine there's a youth pastor listening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a good Facebook group to be a part of? Oh, if there if there was one I had to pick, um, young theologically orthodox pastors. There you go. That's a good one. White top. <laughs> White top. Very easy to remember. Uh, it is actually moderated by CJ and a couple other people, yeah. and uh, it was actually it was born out of uh, CJ and I uh, being a part of this other um, youth pastor page, and it's just, it was like he called it a cesspool. That's that's what it is. It's pretty um, bad. Yeah. And so what we do is we stay in that group. And then whenever there's a conversation where people are like, wait a second, that's not, I'm not sure that's what the Bible says, you know, about that. Like we'll we'll plug it right there. Like, yeah, you know, if you really want to have a group that's biblically based, like (laughs) we're like a rescue boat cruising through and like pulling people out of the water because you can see these guys in there. And sometimes I see them and, and they're asking questions and you can tell they're not convinced either way, but there's so many voices overwhelmingly in favor of these these horrible things yeah. that they get drawn into that. Well, it's a far more comfortable place to be in life and on social media right. than a place where there is a God that says this is right and wrong. And if you, if you disobey what you deserve is eternal torments of hell yet because of my great love and mercy uh, came in. He just with in a just way atoned for sin, expiated sin, and also um, absorbed the full wrath of sin in our place. And what was that John MacArthur uh, quote? He said, uh, uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I Basically that Jesus took your place on the cross and God viewed his son on the cross as if it were you so that you can be viewed by God as if you were Jesus or something like that. Jesus, yeah. or Jesus's life. Yeah. And uh, so I, I butchered that horribly, but the okay. idea is that uh, um, that is some great love, some yeah. great mercy, a tremendous amount of patience, everything undeserved. And yet there is this free gift of salvation there for those who place their faith in Christ alone. And um, I think that these other groups, progressive Christianity included, um, is a place where people go to try to worship themselves yeah. and not have it and not submit to right. a king. And that's very dangerous. And so that's where this podcast comes from. Uh, do you want to do a quick little summary? Get us, we're, we're at about an hour, so we got to get out oh, of here. Man. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically progressive Christianity is not Christianity. Progressive Christianity is, um, skeptical mysticism. I think that's the, the best way that I, I could put it. Um, it doesn't align with anything that Christ taught. It doesn't align with anything that's found in scripture or from the teachings of the apostles. Um, and I believe that it ultimately leads, leads to atheism. Um, and I think it's super dangerous. I think we need to be careful. And I think anytime that someone claims 
to be part of a movement and use Christian language and the term or the, the word Christian, we need to investigate that a little bit, just like we would a mechanic shop or a, or a restaurant that we're going to try out. Yeah, very good. Should we, the, the only way to combat it is to know what you believe right. by knowing scripture yeah. and knowing the Bible. Should we give a little update on uh, our fundraising? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's do this real quick. So if you have noticed that CJ's voice is not waving in and out and that he does not sound like he's in a tuna can over there, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is because last week we just mentioned that uh, there have been some people offering to be like, hey, is there a way to like, you know, help out with this and that? Um you know, these are some equipment or gear that we were looking at. Uh, we mentioned that we'll try to start something, I guess, where you can give if you want. And um, we had one of our listeners uh, shoot us a text and say, hey, um, uh, I I want to pay for uh, CJ's mic and went ahead <laughs> and bought him um, a, you know, a very expensive mic. And yeah. um, we were able to get an, a second one for myself also. So now we are both using the same mics. Hopefully you've noticed that it's easier listening. It's clearer. And uh, there are several other things, as long as some subscriptions that we're a part of now, because we, we signed up for free subscriptions. <laughs> they they we, got us. They got us good. We surpassed uh, the the boundaries they allow for free. And so now we, we're paying for subscriptions and uh, we do have some equipment things that aren't needs, but that we think would be um, better for the show here. And so if you want to be a part of that, we actually did start a Patreon account. And so you can, uh, and it's set, the default amount is at $5. So it's $5 a month. So obviously if you want to give a thousand dollars a month, you can, or if you want to give, I mean, you can, yeah, <laughs> we'll allow <laughs> it just kidding. or $2 a month. That is, yeah. except we have a $2, uh, Patreon as well. So, uh, what we would ask is that if only if you have this extra income or you in, in kind of the illustration used by Patreon members is if you can sacrifice one coffee a month, which, you know, arguably around $5, that would be tremendously helpful for us mm -hmm. uh, to be able to keep this going and keep uh, resources going and things like that. Would this be in place of a tither offering, Brian? No, absolutely not. Okay. And that is uh, very important. Like we don't want you to stop giving a portion to your local church in order to support us. Right. This would be above and beyond. You value this. You listen to two to three episodes uh, a month. And if you're like, you know what, I'll forego a coffee or two and I'll send it to these guys. Um, we'll put the link for our Patreon account in the comments uh, in the sections below. And uh, you can go and join that. And we would love um, support. And just so you know, also, we, uh, we, we plan on suspending the Patreon account whenever we are not actively making a season. So when in between seasons, we'll suspend it. And then we'll start it back up when we start the next one. So we're not gonna we're not gonna take advantage of anything. But anyways, just if you were like, I would love to be a part of that, and and you're like, oh, I don't have a lot to give. Even the five dollars is a huge blessing. Um, huge blessing if you're doing five dollars a month or something like that. So um, if you want to, great. But also, if it's tight for you, no pressure. Do not do it. Um, right. Do not take anything away from your local church. Um, to do this, um, just consider this a free gift to you guys. And there's other people that we are. We, I'm sure we'll step up and take care of things. And then to the people that already have stepped up in big ways uh, to help get a couple of those big items. Uh, thank you a ton. We're, we're, we're forever indebted to you. Oh yeah. Super appreciative. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And hopefully uh, the one who bought the mic, if you're listening, hopefully you hear CJ's beautiful voice coming through clearly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us and hopefully this helps us understand progressive Christianity and what Christianity is and that theology and doctrine matters. We love you guys and we'll see you guys next week.